thing about your kids is you're all kind of insensitive. I'm glad I grew up when I did, because your parents were too perfect at parenting. All that um, baby Mozart and Dan Zane songs. You're so sincere and interested in things. There's a confidence in you guys that's horrifying. It's, you're all ADD and carpal tunnel. You wouldn't know agoraphobia if it bit you in the and it makes you mean. You know, you say things to someone like me who's older and smarter with this life air. I'm freaked out by you kids. <laughs> Hope I die before I end up meeting one of you in a job interview. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Projecting Film, the podcast where movies meet. On this episode, we're going to be discussing Mr. Roosevelt, a film that came out a couple months ago on VOD and in limited theatrical, but you can now currently stream on Netflix if you so choose before listening to our nonsense. But don't feel like you have to because the premise of this podcast is that we will attempt to pitch to you this new piece of independent cinema by bringing up two older films that came to mind while we watched this film. And if uh, that's not enough, I can turn you over momentarily to the marketing department, the paid professionals, with the trailer for Mr. Roosevelt. And what follows is our conversation on this film. So we put him on fluids, and he perked up quite a bit. Then he took a turn for the worst. 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 Which is it, turn for the worst? I never know. Emily Martin, shut up. You're like famous. Emily's got over 20 million views on YouTube. Oh my God. Honestly, it's too stupid to talk about. You have really low self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I moved from Austin about two years ago. This is my ex, I'm sorry. Is everything okay? Oh no. I'm here to see a patient, Mr. Roosevelt. It's kidney failure. <clears throat> Hello. This is Celeste. It's my girlfriend. Where are you staying? The house looks amazing. Tea time. Why didn't you tell me about Celeste? We haven't spoken since you broke up with me over the phone. <laughs> so, after you're staying with your ex-boyfriend and his new girlfriend... Did I wake you? Yes. She is super, super nice and put together and everything in her life is beautiful and nothing's out of place. You know, like a Pinterest board come to life. Eric, how's your band going? Eric's taking a break from music right now. He's getting his real estate license. I love houses. How could you let her do this to me? She's trying to make me look bad. Celeste has been nothing but nice to you. Okay. You win. You got the guy. You got the house. You just feel guilty for leaving him. I just had all these plans and these goals. Just breathe. How am I supposed to breathe? You just threw water my... Oh, my God! This is the part where you're supposed to start laughing. Do you want to see my gun? Oh. You're not quirky, but you're definitely kind of a bitch. Emily, you suck. Mr. Roosevelt. Mr. Roosevelt. Maybe you've had too much to drink. Mm. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. All right, Mr. Roosevelt is uh, this week's uh, independent film that we're going to try to pitch to you, our listeners. And 
let me tell you, Chris, I am the man to do it because I knew nothing about this film until you sent it to me. Except, hey, I like that title. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if Gary Oldman's in it. I wonder if it's a political thriller. <laughs> that was all you knew going in. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was uh, not disappointed at all. <laughs> my idea was terrible. Because A, Gary Oldman was not in it. <laughs> hey, now, I like Gary Oldman, especially when he's uh, Sid dancing uh, outside that decrepit pizza place. In a dream sequence. That's pretty lovely. Um, sure. May fit with the tone of this film a little bit more. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna get to what came to mind uh, after we had watched it so that uh, you will see where we're, where we're coming from on this. And uh, I just wanted to get that out there. My pick will not be Sid and Nancy or uh, The Darkest Hour, whatever it is, whatever Oscar movie Gary Oldman's got coming up this fall. So before I get into it, uh, Chris... What uh what spoke to you the most about Mr. Roosevelt's and uh what uh what was your pick? Well, um it's the idea of this sort of an a breakup that sort of these two people re meet each other again and where the woman's going back to see her ex and the <laughs> the and the idea that this woman is not necessarily the protagonist of the film not necessarily the best person in the movie, not necessarily even a nice person um, at times. And the example that I picked was an extreme example of that. And Mr. Roosevelt, I think it's pulled down a little bit where the character here is actually a little bit more complex than my pick uh, because I went with young adult. All right. You're, you're playing to the, the home crowd here uh, with me because I find the uh, Charlie Sarah Theron character to be the ideal woman. So <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Roosevelt. And I don't want to mislead our listeners. That was not what I took away from this film, that she's the ideal lady. Can I help you find something? Sure. I'm not having a ton of luck here. Is this something for work? No, it's a special occasion. It's not a formal occasion. I'm looking for something chic, clean, but also a bit edgy. Okay. We have some adorable new dresses that just came in. Yeah. Do you have uh, Mark Jacobs? Uh, no, I don't think we have that one. I'm going to a rock concert with an old flame. I think there is a chance we may reconnect. <laughs> Let's show him what he's been missing. No, he's seen me recently. He knows. But his wife hasn't seen me in a while, so... Well, it's the end of my shift, and my son has to be picked up from school. So I'm just going to send over another associate. She's up on all the trends. Shauna. But yeah, okay. Young adult. Uh, I can definitely see um, the lack, certainly with the young adult, the lack of likability. Proudly uh, announcing <laughs> that this character is not uh, not someone you would necessarily want to hang out with. Unless you're that weird uh, woman in the final scene who's <laughs> yeah <laughs> really really into uh, Mavis. Um, that, that's one of my favorite things about Young Adult, by the way, is that Charlie Theron was playing a character named Mavis, someone that looks like Charlie Theron. <laughs> that was your favorite thing. It's one of many of his charms from you know the greatest film of this century, Young Adult. Um, it's pretty damn great. Yeah, that's how do you like. Clearly, like young adult overcomes uh, our lead uh, not being on the most noble quest here. I mean, that, that's one difference with Mr. Roosevelt is that the reason for reconnecting with an ex, 
I guess is a little more valid. It's it's quirky for sure. I mean, it's the death of a pet that has been left behind with your your ex here. So, with that being said, you know, do you still do you feel that this film overcomes that that quirky setup, and you think that it's a like is there a good reason for our lead to sort of mingle with her previous life and this guy's new life with his his new uh, lover that's living with him? Well, she in the film speaks to that and actually undercuts the whole idea of going back for the cat. And everyone else is very interested in this cat and, you know, her ex's life. But she just, you know, in her words, it's just a fucking cat. So it's I don't think that the conceit of the film she was overly concerned with. She wanted to reconnect with her ex. She had this assumption that he was just sitting around waiting for her. And then the thing that really. Um, kind of drove the two movies together for me was the scene where she finds uh, these antidepressants in, in the medicine cabinet and makes this assumption that he's taking the medication because of this girl that he's with now, that she's just driving him to the point that he's having to take this medication. And so I think Charlize Theron, Mavis, has the same assumption that um, Patrick Wilson is just miserable in his life now and she's shown up and she's going to save him. And I think they both have that same sort of idealistic vision of what they can give to these guys in their lives. Well, that's, that's one thing that uh, both of our picks uh, share is this idea that time has stopped. I think Mavis and young adult thinks that time has stopped for everyone from her hometown. <laughs> like, well, clearly by the mixtape she throws on in the beginning of the film, <laughs> she, uh, I, I can't knock it. I mean, there's uh there's a replacement song, uh, not on her tape, but, uh, in the bar when she's, she's reminiscing with, uh, her old high school buddy, Patton Oswalt and they're a very close, <laughs> very close friend, Patton Oswalt as, <laughs> as one would be with, you know, those two, Charlie's there and him. Sure. Um, I went with, uh, Noah Baumbach's, uh, Greenberg from 2010, which okay. yeah. is a little bit more on the nose because what initially came to me is, uh, it's the premise of Ben Siller's character who, um, is moving back. You know, he's, he's doing the, the two different coasts here and he's, he's got this, this sort of, I guess, New Yorker sensibility in LA. Um, and he sort of announces repeatedly scene after scene that he's above like, I guess everything that he's doing in any given scene, <laughs> but he comes back uh, somewhat as close as the character can hat in hand to um, stay with his, his family and his, his brother's family. And uh, mainly his job is to, uh, here's where the animal part comes into, to watch over this dog Mahler. And um, he's un- unlike our character and Mr. Roosevelt strangely takes to it. I guess he's such a uh, sort of listless character, someone who can't commit to anything that taking care of this dog becomes like his only reason for existence out there. Like he hates everything else. And of course there's a romantic element where he ends up meeting uh, Greta Gerwig's character who helps him take care of the dog. I'm impressed by you. In what way? I don't know. I mean, you seem really fine doing nothing. It's like you don't feel the pressure to be successful I mean by other people's standards I'm you know I almost had a record deal when I got out of college I haven't done nothing cool I want to be doing nothing I'm doing nothing deliberately that's what I'm saying I don't know that I could 
do nothing and be that cool with everything. Well, there's so much crap up there. Mahler's not at home. You could stay over. Wink, wink. I'm not supposed to, um, to... I'm trying not to... But it... Yeah, okay. Also, like young adult, not necessarily a guy you'd want to share a beer with. Greenberg. No, not, not, <laughs> not at all. Um, and actually all three of these leads are, they're compelling characters, but I don't think they're, like you said, anybody I would want to spend any significant amount of time with. Um, the, the likability factor for any of them, they're all very self-involved and, um, yeah, not, they don't think outside of themselves. And so, yeah, these are not people you would want to be close with, but they're certainly interesting people and compelling people. So I, yeah, like I actually really enjoy all three of these films. It's unfortunate for something like Mr. Roosevelt that you don't have a Charlie Theron or a Ben Stiller in the lead where you already have some sort of buy-in to previous performances, maybe previously, certainly I would say more likable characters from the audience. However, with this being an independent film and presumably more unknown actors, uh, there is that sense that they can do anything. You don't have to really go out of your way to make our character more likable, uh, less likable. Whereas I think that there's a bit of, it's a bit put upon when you put Charlie Theron and Ben Stiller in there to be like, oh, these are movie stars. Let's show you how big of an <laughs> asshole they are quickly. You know, it's yeah. it's not as natural feeling as Mr. Roosevelt. And Mr. Roosevelt's it's silly film at times, funny, but I don't think it feels, and I, I like all of these films, I don't think it ever feels as forced as our two picks because of that, because it's it's got a more independent sensibility and these are unknown actors. I, I got to disagree with you on that, sir. Just on the last part there. I mean, Nick Thune was a star of Dave Makes a Maze earlier this year. Well, I, I know that that, uh, that set the world on fire, uh, box office wise. And uh, I, <laughs> nothing against that film because I've seen it. I actually, I actually it. really love that movie. I liked it too. But, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I'm not expecting Nick Thune to be cast hopefully in the the next marvel you know television movie that they throw out there to uh, so many thousands of screens but sure um chris is gonna do the the hipster thing you're gonna do the red greenberg thing and (laughs) 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 throw out the the cool card but i'm gonna stick with my populist noah bombback (laughs) to to get get to the heartland of america and try to sell them on mr roosevelt uh, is that something as far as these types of films are, are is this just, um, are these movies really just for film fans? Do these really end up getting to a wider audience? Cause I think that with the people they connect with people love all, you know, it, with young adult and with Greenberg, people love those movies. And I think that Mr. Roosevelt is certainly going to find its audience, but I don't know that movies like this can necessarily get beyond that, that there's buy-ins that other certain audiences won't take with it. Do, do you think it could have mass appeal? No, I, I think something like Mr. Roosevelt, and I, I don't say this as an insult. Um, people are more likely to give these type of characters and this, these type of situations uh, a chance or more rope to, to hang themselves with television. Like they're, 
like, I think this concept, which, uh, as I said, is, is kind of quirky. You could, you could have seen this be a Netflix or Amazon series and maybe develop. No, I don't know if it would become a huge thing, but there, I think there's an expectation with film that it's going to be bigger in some way or so like the, mm. the arc or the revelation and I think young adult certainly has at least one moment like that. I mean, it doesn't, you know, I'm thinking of the, oh, uh, the, the party the car scene. I, I was oh, thinking okay. of the, the, part, oh. the party sequence where there's, we need some sort of come up at some sort of culmination to all the, uh, <laughs> the machinations of the Mavis character. But beautifully what that film does is it totally undercuts it. What's the final, <laughs> the, the final lesson is not learned. It's not taken <laughs> no. there at all, which I love about it. Um, it's weird to me though, because Greenberg, I don't know why I really like the film because it, it does what I would have hated in young adult as far as the way it concludes with that character. And that there's some semblance that he makes the more human choice, the right choice at the end by choosing to stay put for once, as opposed to, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I'll just wait in those waters, go off with, you know, girls far younger than him to another country. Which, you know, good for you, Greenberg. You were, you were thinking ahead seven years later so that you wouldn't present problems for me on this podcast. I applaud you. You're a great man. You fictional bastard. <laughs> And I think one thing I really liked about Mr. Roosevelt is, um, and this isn't really a big spoiler, I don't think that there's a huge lesson learned for our main character here. But I do think that she she becomes far more human as far as how she gets out of her own head and starts treating other people. You know, she's constantly reminded that she does some pretty cool shit. Or she does some stuff that other people would like to have accomplished in their lives, even though she feels like a failure, people are constantly bringing up her YouTube channel and all and right. at a more basic level, just being like, Oh, you're really funny. Like I, I like appreciate what you've done. Like you've made my life better in some way, but like Mavis, like Greenberg, that doesn't get through, but I, I do, I do like that. You know, it, she isn't, she's not on her way to become a huge star at the end of the film, just because she, <laughs> finally you know realizes that her ex-boyfriend has moved on um but she's she's cognizant of other people's like trying to kind of get where she is and having mm -hmm. an appreciation for that and i thought that was that's that's a little bit different from what we see about especially with films that are about creative people because usually it's you know, geniuses, if only other people could <laughs> understand them or if only they'd get like that one big break and that's not this film ever really has any interest in and i really appreciate that presumably coming from very creative people making the film <laughs> and well the the arc really is that she realizes that she was the asshole and that's you know as big as you can get that self-realization that when she actually in the end does help out somebody that you know that that can use her sort of where she lives and the people that she knows and she extends herself beyond that and that she's taking advantage of everybody around her. And I don't think that she's self-aware enough to know that she's kind of fucking up people's lives and they're all being very considerate of her. Um, despite that her not deserving it. And in the end, I don't think she was ever a bad person. 
but you're right. She was just embarrassed by things that she should have been proud of perhaps, or at the very least appreciative of it. And, you know, tried to, you know, she did a Michael Jackson video, so she couldn't monetize it on YouTube. And this is, you know, just kind of the, they play that in the, that video in that party that she goes to and she's just mortified by it. Um, and I guess I can kind of get that to some degree. Um, you know, it would be I, the way I've heard it described by <laughs> of all people, MC Chris, uh, with a certain song of his that when people would approach him, he would say, well, it's really, it's really nice that people like that song, but you know, I wrote that when I was 17 and I'm 33 now, you know, if somebody came up to you and the highlight of, your career to them was something that you wrote in a trapper keeper when you were still a virgin, you might not take that, you know, too kindly after a while, you would be thankful for it. But at the same time, you'd be like, well, I've done a lot of other shit since then. And I don't think it's to that degree, but I think it speaks to that a little bit that you can be sort of embarrassed of your work as well. And yeah, I really like that about this, that it's not a, as a generational shift. I mean, the, the character of Miss Roosevelt is, is clearly from different time because our, our films are, uh, woefully outdated. Um, you know, we're, we're not going back to the hip nineties like we usually do. We're just, these films have an age. We only went six years old and outdated. Yeah. And that's, you know, this is our least cool episode ever. Um, cause they've not aged yet like a fine wine, but you know, obviously with Charlie Saren and Ben Stiller, just those actors are playing, uh, older characters and dealing with in different things. Do you, do you feel that, that, that embarrassment. Cause I, I don't think that, I don't think that Greenberg or Mavis would feel that embarrassment. If someone uh, brought up like their previous work at Mavis would just be like, uh, yeah, uh, you should recognize that. I think, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, wanting to sign her, her ghost ridden babysitters club books or whatever uh, she's working on. And, you know, Greenberg makes a point to kind of play the, 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 the old man, like get off my lawn where he, you know, he's, he's comparing, he's comparing himself to this current generation and how they carry themselves. And do you think it's the young spirit that this, this character has that, uh, Emily, that that's what makes her react that way is different. Do you think it's the, the filmmakers themselves that just have a different viewpoint than, uh, Bombach or Diablo Cody? Yeah, because this is um, Noel. This is all written and directed, and she stars in it. Um, and she's somebody who I don't know how old she is, but she seems to be pretty young. And she's already, you know, done quite a bit with her career. You know, being on SNL and everything, and just having uh, she does that Aziz Ansari show on Netflix. So she has quite a bit she's going 30. on already. I hate. Okay, her, by the way. <laughs> so she's done a lot. So I could imagine that having that speaking to something personal within her at the very least, I'm sure if it's not autobiographical in that sense, she's seen that um, where people that she knows have found some notoriety for something that they might be embarrassed about. They might not be proud of. And they just, you know, it takes a little while to reconcile that and to find the things and to build up the things that you are proud of after that. You know, that that's one of the, it's a not unlike <laughs> on a much smaller degree, the Orson Welles thing where, you know, citizen Kane's the first one out of the gate, you know, what do you build after that? And I, that's sort of hers, but instead of having citizen Kane to lean on, you have a YouTube video of you sitting in a tub eating spaghetti. So same thing, really. Think about it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a similar emotional arc, but the actual foundation that it's built on is 
far more empty. So I could see that be a more distressing thing for this generation now. I'm wondering if audiences will have an issue with because I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the, the particular demo will be for, for Mr. Roosevelt, but <laughs> you know, our I certainly think that we probably expect to be lectured more by an older white dude. Um, you know, a film that I I didn't care for at all this this fall was uh, Mother, which is also about you know the creative process in a way. And I, I thought it was about creation itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta. You just had to go further, didn't he, Aaron? Off, you just had to. <laughs> can't just be about you making your okay, decidedly okay movies that aren't nearly as weird as you think they are. <laughs> it has to be about creation itself. <laughs> Gee, have we covered that territory yet? Noah, the fountain pie. No, <laughs> brand new material there, Darren. <laughs> I, but I do. I wonder. <laughs> And it's something I've sort of bitched about if people are – if men have just been banging that drum for so long in you know written work and film that we're so accustomed to seeing the, the frustrated male artists that something like Greenberg, people will sit there. Even if they, uh, they actively dislike the character, they're just like, oh, yeah, okay, I get, I get who this guy is. And if they won't have as much patience – with the character of Emily because oh. of the, the age, the gender, if we're just like, just shut up, just get over it. Like it's inconsequential. Yeah. There's a certain type of audience that will definitely have a very negative reaction to her. Um, but fuck those people. They're assholes. Um, but why do you think that is? Cause it's like, I think it's why are they assholes or well, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's an easy answer. They clearly have not been exposed to our podcast and we've not, <laughs> not we're trying to do by. the Lord's work right now. <laughs> yeah. Trying to do something here. Um, but okay. Like, uh, you know, a film that I actually, I really like. So I'm not just like picking on an easy target for me, but like inside Lewis Davis, like, sure. You know, it's the, the, the bitter, cynical guy who, in that film, we see Oscar Isaac's character is, is talented. You know, he's, he's, he gives, I mean, the, the film sets up very moving sequences of him singing and then the world slapping him in the face saying, there's no money here. I, I feel like there's a certain, you know, I just feel like film goers are just built to get that guy easier or to expect that. And, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just the lack of seeing it, but like your, your example, like young adults, I mean, Charlie Theron is playing some version of like an ice queen, almost alien monster with no human feelings. <laughs> and the, the Emily character here, you know, is very three dimensional, but I just, I just think that there's much, a much easier buy-in from the film going audience. If it's a wounded, like good looking young man who just can't like, you know, get his song or his book out there in the world. And, and it's, I don't know. I, I think to some degree, Mr. Roosevelt does speak to that because it doesn't seem like even the other characters really understand that she's kind of playing into that role, that like Lewin Davis part. And yeah. it's like, it's not until she has, she like lashes out where they're like, Oh, well, she actually really cares about this shit. <laughs> like, if it was a dude, you know, with a guitar, you'd be like, Oh man, that guy, I bet you he's, he's seen some, he's feeling some pain right now. <laughs> Yeah, know. there's uh, there's the I see what you're saying where they're almost patting her on the head, just like oh, isn't that cute? She has a hobby mm -hmm. kind of yeah. reaction yeah, to yeah. it. 
look at that. Some people like that thing you do. That's cute. So, you know, when, when are you going to come home? That, that, that general attitude that, but that's just a, I don't know that that's just a general reaction that people have to women in roles like this. And it probably takes more women directing and writing and creating these stories for themselves. Um, because I, I found it very easy to sort of connect with this idea of being in your twenties and kind of being an asshole and not realizing that you're the person that's kind of fucking up everything in the room. Um, that you have that self importance of being an artist when you're that age that really only happens at that age. Um, unless you're, you know, Lou and Davis, and then you're just the sad, pathetic artist, you know, going down from him to William, William Burroughs or whatever that example is that you're going to use for it for the tragic male artist. It's all alone. Um, when you put a woman in that role, yeah, a lot of people project unnecessary mean things onto it and it's just kind of gross and weird. Um, the fact that she, uh, you know, gets, she sleeps with a guy out of anger that she has absolutely no interest in. Um, will probably turn off certain audience, me- audience members. And that's that just was pretty cool. By the way, that guy was all right with it. I kind of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, basically told to scram, he scrams and just, you know, drives off. Like he seems very, good with it. Seems very pleasant. I don't know. That's exactly the type of one night stand uh, I I wish the world was full of. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 and that's that's one of the things I really like about her putting herself in this role because it is a vulnerable position to put yourself in. Where I think that knowing this about audiences and to put yourself in this role that there could be a lot of pushback from it from the wrong people but i don't think this movie will find its way into those people's hands um it'll probably stay within the sort of comedy bang bang circle and mm-hmm. i think those people are going to be thrilled with it yeah I, I think i think a lot of people would, would would dig it um as long as i think with our choices you know i don't want to misrepresent it i don't you know that's why i was hesitant whenever i would use the word quirky because i don't want to give off some sort of like you know little miss sunshine type no, vibe to this because no, 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 i think no. <laughs> I mean, I think there's legitimate, legitimate rage here. Like there would be from from someone who's just generally a passionate person, but um, feels like her her passions are being strangled or maybe not strangled, but managed by the world. Like <laughs> you know, like like people like the people think they they have their sort of like best intentions, but they're sort of putting their fingerprints on. Uh, something that's hard to identify. There's a, actually a really cool musical sequence here, which I at first was like, "Oh no!" Like it's it's going to lead into some sort of like montage of like emotion here, and, and we're not going to have the great uh, Ben Affleck from Chasing Amy dancing sequence here. That's the that's the only one that's ever worked for me <laughs> is because Kevin Smith <laughs> makes him look like a complete not a dork. Oh, I love it. God, <laughs> cherish that moment. Um, but you know, I, I like it because for the most part, she's um, yeah. I think I think this is a character that's sort of questioning what she's still doing when she does come in contact with this this ex who is now going into real estate from you know not just taking yeah. a break from his band, but you know it's basically to uh, to to bother, borrow another uh, line from a Diablo Cody movie. You know, he's the the Jason Bateman character who has to give up on being Kurt Cobain. And uh, that's actually a character that probably should have done that. <laughs> should give up. That, that particular character. Yes. 
stick to your commercial jingle gig. It ain't too bad, man. You work from home. What's wrong with you? Why are you complaining? <laughs> See, now I'm the characters in, in Mr. Roosevelt telling the Jason Bateman Juno character, like, shut up. Just <laughs> make your detergent commercial and be quiet. Another reason that so- that scene works is because of the song itself. Um, it feels like a song that that he could have written that feels appropriate. It's not sudden. It's a really it's not too good, good song. But it's not like a Radiohead needle drop all of a sudden. So it just actually it works. Yeah, and we're we're speaking of Mr. Roosevelt again, not the the Juno detergent commercial that I was just <laughs> talking about. No, sorry, no, I I like it because it's a little bit messy, like the film. It's sort yeah. of a messy moment. You know, I don't I don't necessarily uh, you know agree with the Emily character's uh, attire as far as her, her sort of like. You, you don't agree with it? I didn't realize that it was. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think that, uh, as I said, this is a character in a very different age demographic and that, that sort of, you know, it's, it's got the, it could get that sort of hipster douche vibe, but I, f- I feel like that moment is so earnest and so kind of goofy, not Ben Affleck chasing Amy goofy, but just sort of infectiously joyous that the dude is doing, he's just doing something fun. And as you said, it's yeah. not, it's not really cleaned up. It's not even that great. But it's just the the act of doing it and gets her out of her own head. So I, I did I like movies about creativity. Unfortunately, it's just there are too many really pretentious filmmakers that really like them too, and so that's what I'm battling against. So this is my long way of saying much better in Mother, Mr. Roosevelt, the better version of Mother, right here. <laughs> Another tie-in I hadn't considered until just now with Young Adult and um, Mr. Roosevelt, the female drummers in in uh, both bands. I mean, that's, that's always, always great. You know, it provides, you know, Mavis an opportunity to put the moves on, uh, fetching young <laughs> Patrick Wilson. <laughs> you got the female drummer just banging away, providing cover for you to lay out your best lines. The bar. <laughs> listening to another episode of projecting film we hope you are subscribed on apple podcast or your pod player of choice if not please do so or go to followingfilms.com where you'll find other great movie podcasts such as my co-host chris has an interview show called following films and i host a film podcast on romantic tropes called the grand gesture if you'd like to follow this show on social media we are on twitter instagram and facebook at projecting film and stick around i believe our next episode is on the road movie
need to get back to Minneapolis. Take me with you. Excuse me? Take me with you. You know, to the Minneapolis. You're good here, Sandra. 